Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to another Artist Coaching Podcast. Um, today's a special episode because it's something that I've never done before, I guess. I think this is the first time actually. And the reason for me to upload this podcast episode is because I really hope that this inspires you. Uh, why do I think this will inspire you? Because I think a lot of people will relate to the story of Josh. Um, I know I do because I've been there as well myself. Like if you read my book, you can kind of see the same steps happening over and over again. Um, and I just think it's really nice and really great to see how Josh is achieving uh, all the things that I'm preaching for. And I just want to inspire you to show you that it's actually possible and that all the things that I tell you about on my social media isn't just bullshit. No, it's real. It's really achievable. It's doable. As long as you put the energy in it and as long as you just do all the things right and do as many of it as possible and do it as good as possible. To me, Josh is uh, an example of that. And that's the reason why I wanted to have a talk with him to show you more about his story. And hopefully he will be able to inspire you all to take that extra leap and to go for it, you know. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my talk with Josh Littichet. What's up, Josh? Welcome. Hey, Joey. How's it going? All good, man. How is it uh, to be back in uh, Guernsey again? Yeah, it's uh, good to be back in, you know, the usual uh, routine and everything. Yeah, because you you have been... um on a holiday for the last couple of weeks you actually visited me in the netherlands as well uh yep. in, in the studio um do you like holidays is it something you, you you do often uh yeah i try and get away a couple of times a year because where i live uh, in guernsey is quite a small place so yeah. just just for it's... people who don't know where it is where is it located because i didn't know where it was <laughs> uh yeah so guernsey is between england and france it's like a Closer to France than England, mm-hmm. but we don't speak French. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the um, uh, what was the artist's name who came from there as well? Uh, Muramasa. Muramasa, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, I don't, I don't think he lives here anymore though. Um, the, have you known him or? No, I didn't know of him until uh, he kind of like blew up, and then wow. I think a friend of a friend mentioned to me that that he was from here, and then. Wow, because it's yeah. such a small island, right? There's, and so, uh, there's not so many people living there, so you might say that most people would know each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, we mostly know each other, but uh, I think he was like a couple of years younger than me, and younger. I think he went to a different school. So, How old are you right now? Uh, 26. 26, okay. And I'm, I'm sure he's a bit younger than me, yeah. Okay, I'm not sure actually. I don't know that much about him. I knew that I know that he makes great music, but I'm, yeah. I don't know much about him. <laughs> and uh, just to give uh, the listener or people watching this uh, some context, we know each other because uh, you're a client of mine since like a year. Uh, yeah, I think it was like March 2018, something like that. Over a year. Okay, so over a year now. And um, that's how we got in contact and, and started meeting every month. Um, and in the last couple of weeks slash months, things have been going on in your career, which I think was really interesting to talk about. Uh, yeah. Especially because you're kind of the living proof that 
things are possible. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into it later. But I think looking at your story, I see a lot of things uh, that happened to me as well. And I see it happening with other artists as well. It's just some kind of pattern recognition you see with every artist that starts to make steps in his career. Um, and I just wanted to, to give the listener some insights in how you have been doing it, like what kind of things you did to, to get the things you got. Uh, and again, we'll go deeper into it later on, but that's the context for everyone listening and watching. That's how we know each other. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell about yourself? Um, not really. I think we're just going to, yeah, as we get into it, I can kind of yeah. talk about stuff I've been doing. and. Uh, okay. How did, yeah, you, how, it all happened. how did you get got started with music? Um, kind of a funny story, actually. Uh, when I was learning to drive, uh, I bought like a, a crazy sound system for my car mm. with a, like a big bass spin in, in the boot. And I was kind of just like looking for music that, you know, really made the whole car shake. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think I came across like Afrojack's music mm-hmm. and he had the really like pounding kick drums. Yeah. And obviously that, that worked really well. And then I kind of just got like really addicted to that like Dutch house back mm-hmm. in like 2010, I think it was. So nine years ago you started. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't DJing or making music then. I was purely just like in love with the music and okay. getting really into it. Okay. And from yeah. there, like how did you uh, got into, did you first, did you start out as a DJ or did you start out as a music producer? Uh, no, so I started DJing about a year after getting into like uh, Dutch House or ED. Well, I don't think it was even called EDM back then. No, it's um, more like Dutch House, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I think because I just started working, and I basically spent like my first like one or two pay slips uh, just buying some some CDJs um, and just kind of like learning how to DJ, I guess, and. Yeah. Uh, and then I eventually bought some lights to do some like birthday parties and <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, how, how long which did you is good do fun. that? Uh, I, I think I did like birthday parties and like weddings and stuff like that for about like two and a half, maybe three years hmm. before like playing at a local bar and club. And how did how did you get into the local bar? Um, I saw on their Facebook page they were looking for a DJ, and my friend said to me, "Oh, you should, you should, you know, send them a demo or something or a mix." And I kind of thought, "Oh no, I'm, I'm not good enough. Like, there's no way." And then my friend had to like really convince me that I should do it. So, yeah, I kind of prepared a mix, sent it, and then they said, "Oh, do you want to play this Friday?" And that was only like Tuesday or Wednesday or something. So I was like. Uh, <laughs> like obviously I was super scared but I of course I said yes uh, and did you have to play by yourself or was there anyone else uh, like co- that you had to uh, do back to back with or uh, no it was just me and it, it was oh. on a on a Friday mm-hmm. and it must have gone well because at the end of the night the manager said do you want to come and play tomorrow as well so <laughs> oh wow okay which is cool so you should but, be really yeah. thankful for your friend yeah, I think it's because something that I've always struggled with is like believing in myself mm-hmm. and 
because you get so caught up in your own head mm-hmm. and you don't maybe see the progress that you make. And obviously my friend has he's been there from the start when I first like got into that kind of music and then watched me like learn to DJ and stuff. Yeah. So but in my head, I was no way good enough. In my head, I was just like, oh, no, I'm going to stick to birthdays and stuff because that's too big a step right now. And But it worked out pretty well. And so. how did you manage to, to make that step? Because I, well, I know for sure that for a lot of artists, like you're, you're definitely not the only one struggling with uh, um, trusting yourself and believing in yourself. I've been there as well myself. Uh, but how did you push yourself through that barrier and, and saying to yourself, like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I know it's in two or three days and I'm shit. I'm shitting my <laughs> pants right now, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to do this. Like what did, what did, what helped you making that decision? It was like six years ago. So I'm really struggling <laughs> to remember, but I think I just thought I'm going to regret it if I don't do it. So mm-hmm. like, if I do it and it goes wrong, then I, I can't regret it. But if I was to not do it, then I think I would always look back and say, oh, you idiot. Like, why didn't you do it? So, <laughs> Regret's the worst thing you can have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still remember actually driving that night to to the bar. And I was, I like normally I'd listen to music in the car, but I had the music switched off because I was actually like, talking to myself and like mentally preparing myself Wait, like you, you can do own? this <laughs> yeah yeah oh, really? like my friends were meeting me there um after i started playing so and what, what was more scary for you was it more scary to play for your friends or was it more scary to play for people you don't know i think it was i think it was more the environment hmm. um because I've played for my friends like, like house parties and friends' birthdays and that kind of thing, but it was it was more because like all the because Guernsey is a small place. When you were playing like a wedding or a birthday party, there was only so many venues, and once you'd been to all of them, it was like familiar territory. It's like residencies. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> Whereas uh, like with this bar, I'd, I'd been a customer before. And like been there on nights out, but I'd like never been behind the DJ booth, so I was just uh, yeah, it was like unfamiliar to me and really scary at the time. Okay, and then you started playing regularly in that club, in that bar. Uh, yeah, pretty much every weekend, I think. Okay, and uh, but you weren't making music at that time, right? It's just DJing. Um, I. I started making music, I think it was in 2012. So it was like after a year of DJing. Okay. And then um, you decided like, you know what, this this DJing is kind of fun, but I would like to play my own stuff as well. Or I'm trying to remember what the conscious decision was, but I remember I downloaded, <laughs> funny story actually, I, I downloaded Ableton when I had a week off work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like September or something. And I said to myself, oh, Ableton's got like a, a free trial for like a week or, or maybe it was even a month. Oh, I, I, maybe I can make a hit and then not have to pay for it. <laughs> it just sounds so stupid now that I think about yeah. it. But uh, 
Yeah, but, it, but it's yeah, that's of, the truth. I'll yeah, be honest. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because I think there's more people thinking like that. Like, let's yeah. do this thing. Like, I'll learn it within a week, and I, I bang out this hit record, and I'm done. You know, because it seems so easy. Yeah. But now, seven years in it, you'll probably think different. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I realized that after opening it for like the first hour, I think. But yeah, at the time I was like. 19 uh, probably quite naive and just thought oh yeah it's like a video game you know you can just open it up learn how it works and then let's go that's it <laughs> yeah exactly okay so you started making music and um did you start off making originals or did you also did like mashups for your own sets and um yeah i, I was basically just making mashups to begin with i think mm -hmm. because it was something that didn't really require much production skill Mm -hmm. um, it was just because I had a uh, like mixed in key I knew yeah. about that from DJing so I was like using that to find tracks that would work well together mm -hmm. and it was basically just sticking an acapella on top of an instrumental yeah. like super basic and yeah, maybe adding some effects that's, that's good enough you know sometimes that's all you need yeah I, I still do that now actually with some yeah. tracks and might spice up your sets yeah exactly um, I don't think I ever played anything that I made until maybe a year ago, though. So Really? And what was the reason for that? I think it comes down to self-belief, again, where you just didn't think anything you made was good enough. And what changed? Like, why? why uh, what changed that made you want to play out your own track? Uh, I think it was my girlfriend, actually. Hmm. She was like, oh, you, you should definitely play this, like, there's no reason why people won't like this. Which one? Um, which track was it? Um, did, it, did you release it or was it just one of the... I think it was about three years ago. I think it was called Four, which was just kind of like a a future house, deep house kind of track. Okay, yeah. Uh, but... It took me a long time before I had the courage to even play that. So I made it, say, like three years ago, but maybe, maybe I played it like two years ago. And how did you feel when you played it out? Super nervous. Because <laughs> <laughs> to the point now when, when I'm DJing in like my resident club, I just there's no nerves or anything. You just turn up and you play. Yeah. But when you play... Oh, not so much now, but when I played that track for the first time, I suddenly got nervous and a bit like shaky and yeah, yeah. We we had a talk about that, right? Like uh, the first time you came into the venue and had to play, you were really nervous, and yeah. right now it's like another day at the job. Uh, yeah, basically. Um, yeah, and it, it, why is that? Do you think like is it something you get used to? Yeah, I think so. It's like anything when you when you start like a, a normal nine to five job, I guess your first week you're nervous to go in and meet new people and maybe you think that you're not good enough and you got lucky in an interview or something. But then I yeah, I think it's like a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. Because it's something new, something different. Takes you out of the comfort zone. Yeah, I for a long time, I did overthink uh, the DJing like process 
were at that at that bar because um, I think there was a DJ playing there at the time that was like, oh, like, because he knew that I was playing like at birthdays and weddings and stuff. And he was saying, oh, I don't think you'd be able to play that sort of thing here. And I was like, oh, okay. So everything has to be like house, mixed, you know, like yeah. fall to the floor. And then uh, one night, I just thought I'm gonna I'm gonna try playing some like R and B and hip hop and stuff that's in the charts, um, even radio edits. And yeah, people like they had a better reaction because mm-hmm. like the venues that I play at are just more like commercial based and they're not really into the whole. Uh, like fall to the floor, everything has to be mixed perfectly. Um, but was that uh, like the fall to the floor thing? Was the request you got from the owner? No. Okay. It that's that's the mix that I sent. It was basically just okay. like dance remixes of commercial stuff. But at at the time, I never really played like radio edits and and things. Mm. It was only over time that I kind of realized that. Okay, the crowd. Yeah, it's the kind of place where you, yeah you can play a bit of R and B, a bit of hip hop, um, commercial. And on which point in your career did you felt like you were getting stuck? Because like I said, you're a client of mine. We mm. we met uh, like a, more over a year ago, and at that moment in time, you were stuck in your career. Yeah. I'd been at the time I'd been making music for coming up to six years, so like five and a bit years, mm-hmm. and I felt like basically everything that I put out, um, you, you'd say like upload it to YouTube or SoundCloud, and you'd get sort of like maybe twenty, thirty plays if you're lucky, and then like half of those would be from like your close friends that you sent it to, and it was really tough to get any kind of traction mm-hmm. or any kind of following, I think. Um, and I think I was, again, it comes back to that self-belief thing where I never really thought my music was that great either. So it was hard to promote it if you didn't believe it in yourself. Yeah. And what changed in that process over the, over the past year? What did you change? Uh, we came up with a plan and like a, a strategy, which I think helped mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and having some clear goals to work on. Um, yeah, and actually releasing music regularly has really helped, I think. And what's, what is because, regularly for you? Is that once a month or? Uh, so I think at the start of the year, I wanted to release a track every three or four weeks, mm-hmm. which I think so far I've managed to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, whereas then you're talking about originals and bootlegs and remixes and yeah, a combination of um, yeah bootlegs, even like mashup packs and mm. although I, I don't count um, like a mashup or anything as as a release as yeah. part of my release schedule. That's just something I I just put out there for for fun, I guess. And how do you prepare for a release? Because um, you release them yourself, right? Through uh, TuneCore or DistroKid or whatever? Yeah, DistroKid. DistroKid. And um, you release them yourself. And then, like, what is it that you do? Um, so, over the past 
year or so, maybe maybe longer. I've been building up like a, a DJ list, a Spotify playlist list, a YouTube list. Like list of contacts, you mean? Like? Yeah, just a, a huge spreadsheet, basically, of um, all these different platforms and curators. And over time, they build up. And then the ones that support me, I always like send to those first. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to the point now where I'll, I'll message them and say, hey, would you mind like supporting this release? And they'll say, oh. I've already added it to my playlist. I'm like, oh, oh really? thanks, amazing! Like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have to message them. They just kind of follow me now, and uh, yeah, which and is really you, cool. Do you stay in contact with them with in with them in between releases, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, a few of them I do, um, just through like Instagram Messenger and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not a great deal, just a few. But they tend to be the ones that are like. Uh, like supporting my stuff without me even asking anymore. So yeah, the closest closest relationships for you. Yeah. And um, promotion wise, you send it to Spotify playlist owners. You you send it out to DJs as well to get support. Yeah. Is there anything else you do? Um. I do well. I did for a time use Submit Hub. Oh yeah. But when you start releasing. Like once every three or four weeks, it can get really expensive mm-hmm. because you have to like buy credits. And I haven't had a, a huge amount of success with Submit Hub, so it feels like money down the drain. So I don't do it that often unless it's like a a really big release that I sort of am one hundred percent convinced that it's going to be really good. And how um, much? How much do you spend now on promo- on, on on promotion for one track? Um, I think on average about a hundred dollars. Okay. And that that goes into the playlists or? It's uh, like Facebook ads, Instagram ads as well. Um, Playlists and Submit Hub, but not so much anymore. Okay. That's interesting. And um, remind me to have a talk about that later in one of the coaching calls because I think there's something to talk about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, Spotify promotion, DJ support, and you've been doing it for the last couple of uh, months. What did you see happening in, uh, let's say, since January this year? Um, so there's quite a few milestones, actually, in 2019. Um, I released my first kind of like original vocal track um, with uh, Nino Lucarelli from The Vocal Kitchen, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And that was actually a turning point, I would say, from that track where I kind of posted like a bit of a story on Facebook. Because um, something I've l- learned over the past year or so is it, I think it helps if you start telling a story. Um especially when there's like a lot of emotion involved and something like music, when you dedicate that much time, there is a lot of emotion and uh, passion for it. So when I released that track, I wrote, I don't know, like two or three paragraphs explaining how the track came about, what I've been working towards. And it got like, say 200 likes from friends and family, which doesn't normally happen. 
I had like hundreds of comments. And since that point on, people started taking me a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think before that release, it was like, oh, he's just like a bedroom producer. Um, and when I'd post something, nobody would take any notice of it. So, yeah, that was a big milestone for me. Personally, um, like it, it, made you, it made you feel more, uh, what's the right word? Like accepted, kind yeah, of? Ex- yeah, well, accept- appreciated. Appreciated, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to see that people actually got behind it, listened to it, shared it. Yeah. So that was, that was the first, like, major milestone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Because from January you started with the new goals, uh, which was releasing every two weeks, right? Yeah. And again, I think that that's part of being able to be taken more seriously is because if you're releasing every three or four weeks, then it maybe people don't see it as a hobby anymore. They see it as if you're like, you really like, you mean business with this now and, mm-hmm. and you're treating it like professionally. Yeah, maybe um, your content helps with it, helps also with that because you started posting mm. regularly about your music and about the things that you uh, accomplished with your music, which yeah. also validates to the crowd like, hey, this is not something I do for fun, of course for fun, but also because I want to start making a living out of this and I'm actually achieving things. You know, it's not that I'm that nothing is happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely helps. So that was a big moment for you. Yeah, and then really from there, um, I started gaining a lot, gaining a lot of traction on Spotify um, because I think I've, I've just hit over half a million streams now. And I think at the start of the year, I had probably under under twenty five thousand. Yeah. So without, I kind of without a label, right? It's all on your own. Yeah, I, I about. I think it was two years ago I like signed to a very small label and I was kind of like a little bit scarred from that. And now my kind of strategy is I center the big labels. If they say no, then I release it myself because I don't think the smaller labels really have much to give anymore because a lot of the time they don't really promote your track. They just want to take like 50% of whatever it makes. But literally just release it and you can do that with DistroKid so I just don't understand why why people are are so drawn to those really small labels and still get like over half a million streams which 100% of the revenue is yours yeah which makes makes like an extra income every month as well because right now you still have a a, have a full-time job right yeah, exactly. Uh, and music is something you do on the side, but somewhere in the future that needs to shift. Um, but yeah, maybe, it's a step in the right direction, definitely. Yeah, maybe to give people an insight of what kind of numbers they should think about, like what would you like to tell what you are already earn on your music right now? Yeah, so it it varies depending on the length of the song and how how many. Um, how many seconds or minutes people listen to it, but it works out for me at the moment. 1,000 streams is on average about $30, uh, $3. Mm-hmm. So over the past year, 
Oh, not yet. Since um, since first of January, it's like like fifteen hundred dollars. Then yeah. I think, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been growing exponentially as well. So uh, yeah, and that's a great extra. You know, that's like a free holiday you get from music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it helps pay for things like splice um, samples. You know, like yeah presets that kind of thing investments maybe a new computer or whatever you want to get but now you know you're able to invest not, not right yeah not not quite that much just yet but uh yeah but if you want to buy yeah, plugins you can buy plugins yeah exactly which it's is quite cool point and what can you give as a tip to anyone listening right now who is in a position where you were a year ago um what would you recommend them to do I would create a release plan. So, what, what's a release tra- plan? Uh, so, in my calendar, actually, I I have pretty much till the end of the year. Um, every three or four Fridays, a re- like a block that says like release, and if I know which track it's going to be, um, I have the name of the track. There's some that are just like a block, but with yeah. with no name of the song. And I just ensure that I have like a track to come out on that particular day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a deadline. Yeah, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would, I would create some originals because I think it's good to have your own sound. That if people like what you're doing, they can then kind of like follow you for that. But I think bootlegs have really helped me a lot recently. Um, because they bootlegs like promote themselves. You don't have to do a Facebook ad for them or even do submit help. I mean, you can, but if you just put them on YouTube and SoundCloud, it's surprising like how many streams they get without even sharing them just because people yeah. are searching for a bootleg of a popular song right now. So. Yeah, and they're searching for the original title and they see something they don't know, so they might check it out. And yeah. this is a nice bridge to the to the story that's going on currently. Mm-hmm. You released a bootleg a couple of months ago. Yeah, in late April. Late April. Um, I forgot the title. What was it? Uh, Someone you loved by Louis Capaldi. That one. And mm-hmm. like you said, you released it on YouTube and SoundCloud. Did you send it to DJs as well? I don't think I did actually because hmm. it. At the time, it was uh, like specifically like a UK number one hit, and pretty much all the DJs on my DJ list are like in Europe or America or in Asia. Yeah. So I kind of, I, in fact, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I sent it to any DJs. Um, oh wow! I uploaded it to Digital Music Pool, which is like a a music pool for for DJs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'd have to check, but I don't think I sent it to anyone. Okay, <laughs> and it's fun because uh, two, three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, uh, nearly three weeks ago. Yeah. Tell us about that moment. You got an email. Uh, it was actually slightly before that. I'll <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was actually coming back uh, to Guernsey from holiday, and I was just checking my like YouTube for like comments and. Sometimes I reply to comments just to just to reply to them, yeah, to and get then engaged. yeah, exactly. And 
I saw on the Someone You Love bootleg, somebody commented, is this the one that they've been playing on Sirius XM? So I just replied, like, maybe. Like, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea, yeah, because Sirius XM isn't available where I live. Yeah. I think it's just a US so uh, radio listening, station. Sirius XM is a big, is a big radio, uh, a radio station in the US. Yeah. Which at the time I yeah didn't really realize that how big it was, so <laughs> I was kind of like, oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, thanks and, for noticing. Yeah. And then uh, I think somebody else commented saying, yeah, this is the one they've been playing it. Um, they've been playing it like three or four times a day for a few weeks, and I thought, oh, that's cool. Like, nice to have some airplay. And then a few days after that, somebody sent me a video on Instagram saying, dude, love your remix. And the video wasn't loading, so I was like, oh, which one? And then the video came through, and it was this guy, like, dancing, like, in selfie mode, which <laughs> was really funny. He was dancing to the, like, Someone You Love bootleg, and it was in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's like, not serious exam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, something totally different. And then... Uh, like a day or two after that, I had an Instagram message um, from somebody called Ryder, and she worked for SiriusXM, mm-hmm. and she said, hey, um, don't know if you know, but we've been playing your remix on Sirius, Sirius sorry, your bootleg on, I, I have a, such a bad habit of calling bootlegs remixes. <laughs> <laughs> More people have that. <laughs> yeah, just... People that I know don't know what a bootleg is yeah, necessarily. Exactly. So, But yeah, she said, we've been playing a bootleg on SiriusXM for a few weeks, maybe a month. Um, and every time we play it, uh, we get a ton of messages and a ton of positive feedback. And people want to know like where to get the song from. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. I, I didn't really know that. Somebody mentioned it, but didn't think much of it. And then, um, and then she said, "Did you ever think about doing an official release?" Um, and I was like, "Well, yeah, of course, but like, huh? I have no, like, yeah, I, I, I don't have contacts at uh, Universal, or um, I don't know the original singer." And then she said, oh, "Okay, let me see, let let me see what uh, I can do." I was like, "Okay, cool." And then she said, "What's your email address?" So I just gave her my email address. And then she said, okay, I'm copying you in now. So, okay. <laughs> and I checked my emails and she uh, copied me into, well, actually it was her manager that had copied me into um, like a, an A&R manager at Universal Music Group, basically saying that uh, they've been playing it for like a month or so. And every time they play it, they get tons of requests and asking, like, where can we get it from? And... They basically directly said to the A and R manager, you, "You need to make this an official release because it's a home run in dance music." Yeah. So my mind was just totally blown. <laughs> because yeah. I, I think that bootleg took like four hours or something. Like, yeah. like made it in a rush to play that night in the club. Mm-hmm. I was just quickly, you know, putting something together because the song was really hot at the time in the UK. Um. How, how did you like like you already said like when you were making the track you never thought about the fact that this was going to be 
a thing, you know, like you just made it to play out in your own sets and that's about it. You uploaded it to YouTube, SoundCloud, done deal. Yeah, because um, basically late April when I made it, I think it was like the UK number one, um, but it wasn't big in any other country because mm-hmm. uh, these singers from Scotland. Um, so it kind of started off in the UK. So, and the song, if anybody's heard it, will know that you'd never be able to play the original in the club because it's like, you know, a guy singing to a piano and it's not a club tune. Yeah. So I just kind of made like a progressive house bootleg out of it in a few hours to play that night at the club. And then, um, yeah, it works. People sing along to it and they, they jump on the drop and stuff. So, yeah, thought, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it was only two and a half months after that. <laughs> yeah. I found that out and I was like, what, like, how did I not know this? It was yeah. crazy. And now you're actually so, waiting for uh, a reply of the label, right? To to hear if it's possible to release it as an official remix. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's been like twelve days, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I spoke to the person at SiriusXM that like got me in contact with them, and I said, "Oh, do you know like do you know what's going on with this? Because I I don't really know how long these kind of things take." Because Obviously, Universal's like one of the big three labels, mm-hmm. and she said oh, they're working on it. So yeah, might take. I still don't know if it's going to be official, but yeah, um, judging by the amount of comments on YouTube that say, "Please, can you put this on Spotify?" and oh, "I've been looking for this for ages. I'm so glad I found it." That kind of makes me think it might happen. Yeah, how does that make you feel to see comments like that on a track that you made? Yeah, it's crazy, really crazy. No, I don't think I've ever had such a response from something I've made before. Um, yeah, I still can't believe it, really. <laughs> yeah, and and um, of course it would be really cool if they release it as an official remix. But something else happened as well. Yeah. Um, so since then, the the same person who works at SiriusXM. Um, she asked me if I knew who Gavin uh, was, who's like a, I think, I don't know if you call it future bass, but he's kind of uh, on the electronic kind of pop scene in the US. And I said, uh, yeah, like, I think I've got a remix or two of his. And she said, oh, um, I might be able to get you like an official remix for him. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me just copy you into an email. So then... Same again. She just like looped into an email and got me in contact with somebody who like deals with remixes at uh, at like the uh, at the record label, and then I sent them some stuff that I was working on or some stuff that I've released, and then they said, "Oh, okay, cool. Like here's the original track, but um, it actually comes out tomorrow, so um, I wasn't allowed to like share it to anyone except for." Obviously, my girlfriend heard it, but (laughs) but shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Um, And then they said, "Is this something like you want to do a remix of?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course. Like, sounds good." And then about five minutes later, they just sent me the stems, and it's like, "Okay." (laughs) There you were. Yeah, and I was just like, "Is this actually happening right now?" (laughs) (laughs) For which label was that? 
Uh, so it's Island Records, which is like a subdivision of Universal Music Group. It's also really big, yeah. Huge label. So is that already yeah. confirmed, or are you still waiting to get a response? Um, so I actually I asked what the deadline was, and they said, as soon as possible, please. So in my head, I was like, wow, I have to quickly do it this weekend, <laughs> get it out there. So I then sent it to them uh, yesterday, which was Monday. So like four days after they sent me the stems, mm. I uh, sent them my best shot. I was, uh, as I was like hovering over the send button, I actually felt a little bit sick because <laughs> I was so nervous about sending it. And I just like closed my eyes, click send. And then about 15 minutes later, they came back and they said, love it. Great work, Josh. We'll send you some notes as soon as possible. So I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it was like the whole self-belief thing where I thought, I'll give it a shot, but I don't think I'm good enough yet to be able to get an official release like this, like yeah. a fi an official remix. But um, yeah, they've asked me to change one minor thing, which I'm going to do today and then send it over. Yeah. And then hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it gets accepted. So yeah, so great, man. I I really uh, I really hope it it all it's all gonna happen, and I kind of believe it is going to happen because uh, they're really positive about it. Um, yeah. I just think that what I hope is that when people are listening to your story, they get motivated and inspired to do it as well. You know because. People might hear me talk about releasing music and might hear me talk about music that brings you opportunities or music that will go to places that you will never would have expected, blah, blah, blah. But when I heard your story, I was like, dude, this guy just lives the things I'm talking about. <laughs> so, literally, yeah. Literally, like all the, things, all the things I say like happened in your career. And I was like, people need to hear this because you are like the living proof that it's that it's possible mm. uh, and i just hope that other producers out there who recognize themselves uh playing local bars and who want to bring their music to other places and who want to start playing in different countries get inspired by your story because as you can see it is possible you know uh yeah. you, you live in a really small island and somehow you managed to, to have a possibility to do to get an official remix of lewis capaldi have an official remix on Island Records. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the connection is established. Your track gets played on Series XM, which is big in, in the States. It's all starting right now. And that all happened because you started releasing music six months ago. Six months? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, January, I sort of like made a commitment yeah. to really get music out there, whether it's a bootleg, original, just, just constantly... Uh, plant the seeds i guess and then see if they grow and one or two of them did so yeah and and sometimes that happens you know like sometimes yeah you only need one track to be a hit and you're done you know uh that's the thing like you only need one track <laughs> you're one hit away uh and that's just really interesting and when i was listening and watching you on social media and having the, the coaching calls that we have i was just like Wow, this guy, like everything seems to <laughs> happen the thing, the way I, uh, I want it to happen, when, the way how I think about it as well. Like it happened to me the same thing. You can go to my book. You're yeah, actually having yeah. the right steps 
in the way that I had as well and in the way other people that I know have as well. Like I said in the beginning of this conversation, there seems to be some kind of pattern which every artist goes through. And that's yeah. why, um, why I really believe in the things that I say and why I really like to see it being proven by you. <laughs> yeah. Again, well, thanks yeah. very much. I like, couldn't have done it without, without you, really, because, yeah, like, I've just followed your strategy. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, there was a part of me that kind of thought, not sure if it will work, but I'll try and see what happens. And uh, <laughs> it kind of works. So. Yeah. Well, so far, so good. Yeah, let's hope yeah. for the best. Like, I really wanted to believe that it was going to work, but there's always a little piece at the back of your mind that's like, mm, no, nah, it's not going to work. Sure, and then it's kind of, you have to the, shut that voice out and just keep going, I think. Yeah, that's the self-doubt talking. Trying yeah. to push you back, trying to pull you back into the comfort zone. It's the enemy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I say as well. You know, you're, you're your own worst enemy. And that's, that's the problem. You have to fight that little voice inside your brain. And that's tough. And that's hard. But it's necessary to create growth. Mm. And uh, that's what's happening to you right now. And that's great to see. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think as, like, there's no harm in putting music out there. As long as you're like, happy with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should release something that you don't like. No, sure. But, but yeah, may, maybe, maybe even if you think, well, this track's pretty good, but I could do better. It, it may be better just to release it and then start working on something new because there'll be somebody out there who really likes likes the track. Yeah, that's what's interesting. That keeps amazing me, like how music can pop up somewhere in the world. And other people really like it, while you might have thought, like, eh, you know, like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. I made it in four hours. It's okay. That, to be honest, that's kind of how I feel about the Lewis Capaldi bootleg. Mm. Like, if it if it does get made into a, an official remix, I'm gonna ask them, can I quickly like change a few things because like the mix is a little bit muddy, and I just want to tighten a few things up. So. Yeah, like freshen things up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's always uh, possible. Always negotiable. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully it goes through. Yeah. Well, we're all praying for you. We'll uh, hopefully it, it will happen. If it happens, I will let the people know. Um, but yeah, keep me up to date because I'm definitely interested in uh, hearing the story. For now, I just want to wish you the best of luck and especially with finishing the, the last pieces of the remix that you have to finish tonight. And, yep. um Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really hope other producers that are in this, like who recognize themselves in your story, feel like get that little spark. Like, okay, it's possible. I only need to start doing it. Uh, yeah. And I hope that will happen. So thank you for doing this. No problem. Um, yeah, I just hopefully I've inspired somebody because um, uh, I think about a year ago I was really struggling with it myself and um yeah i kind of wish i could go back in time and like tell myself like dude it's it's gonna be okay just just keep releasing music keep doing what you're doing yeah. like don't give up just i think that's the important thing is just don't give up as long as you enjoy what you're putting out there and and you're having fun and enjoying the process then like, you'll never regret just, it yeah. yeah yeah exactly cool Definitely. Well, thanks. Have a great night. Good luck in the studio. 
And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Joey. Thank you. Yeah, for sure.